This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. up what's up what's up what's up how we doing how we doing and welcome to episode 206 episode 206 of the banner branch podcast i'm your host and favorite boston celtic season ticket holder timmy g how's everyone doing thanks for tuning in hope you had a great weekend you can find me on the twitter machine at banner banter 18 or on facebook and instagram at banner banter podcast and as you know part of the big night media team with some great podcasts like daycations drinks after work on the promoter, he's the DJ, Eat the Damn Cake, Dirty Flirty and Surviving, The Wicked Fast Podcast, No Limits with Kevin Cooney, Music You're Missing, A Sh- Chance to Strive, and so many other great podcasts. If you're into sports cards, don't forget to check out Card Vault Breaks, uh, whether that's online, YouTube, whatnot, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go down in person down in Patriot Place or Foxwoods Resort Casino. You can always follow Big Night Media at Big Night Media on Instagram to check out your chance to win free tickets to see Upcoming shows, Epic Night Live, thanks to Timmy Ticket Tuesday, and you can always get your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise so you can support the podcast, because that would be very nice of you, at BigNightShop.com. All right, hey, let's get right into it. Uh, current state of the Boston Celtics, 41-16, and 16, 25 games left, 18-9 and nine on the road, 23-7 and seven at home, 24-11 and 11 in the conference, and they are only one and a half games up on the Milwaukee Bucks, going into the big matchup tomorrow night on Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. on TNT against Milwaukee Bucks. Four games up on the 76ers, five games up on the Cavs, and seven and a half games up on the Nets. Now, according to tankathon.com, the Celtics have the 13th hardest schedule remaining in the NBA. The Bucks have the ninth, Nets have the seventh, Heat have the uh, fourth, Knicks have the sixth, and the 76ers have the hardest schedule remaining, according to tankathon.com. Basically, strength of schedule. Uh, and then the Cavs are all the way down 28th. They have the third easiest schedule. So, got to keep your eye out on the Cavs. They could maybe even catch up to the Philadelphia 76ers and slide into that third spot. It'll be very interesting. Now, last week, the Celtics beat the Detroit Pistons on the road 111 and 99. Then they came uh, to TD Garden. Huge game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Beat them undermanned. Very impressive win. Huge win. Just shows that the 76ers just aren't ready for the big moment. I think the two teams are playing again at the end of the month in Philadelphia. I think that's February 25th, I believe. But anyways, yeah. And then, obviously, they beat the Charlotte Hornets like they always do, 127-116. to 116. And then they ended off the week with another big win against a great team in the Memphis Grizzlies, who I know haven't played great as of late, but they're still a top three team in the West, uh, according to their record. So that's a big win. Uh, Marcus Smart, he's still out uh, with that ankle injury. There's not, there hasn't been like a lot of reports about it, which is weird. Hopefully, you know, he's back tomorrow night against the Bucks. Most likely not. And then, of course, you have Jalen Brown, who had a broken face thanks to the inadvertent 
Jason Tatum elbow. I mean, it was clearly a mistake in that 76ers game on Wednesday. But what I found very interesting about that elbow is when Jalen was on the ground, Tatum just looked over and then continued to argue with the ref. And what are we doing here? That's like your number one guy. And I'm not here to stir the pot or anything, but like you would rather argue with the ref than help out the dude that's helped you get to the NBA finals. Your number one guy, the guy that people have just bashed you on and on about should these two play together and then all of a sudden you're like oh elbow to the face that sucks and now Jalen has a broken face Jalen obviously posted on Instagram for those that didn't see you know mask incoming or whatever that the case may be so I'm not sure if we'll see Jalen Brown Tuesday night uh, against Milwaukee Bucks or on Wednesday against the Detroit Pistons because then after that it's the all-star break and obviously Jalen Brown's going to the all-star game congratulations Jalen obviously well deserved so does Jalen not play these last two games heal up his face as best as he can and then play in the all-star game who knows we'll see so that'll that'll be very interesting and then the other news that came out uh since the last time we had the podcast Brad Stevens made another trade the trade deadline was on uh what was that trade deadline was on Thursday at 3 p.m and Listen, Brad did another trade that's not going to knock your tits off in any way, shape, or form, but it's a solid, reasonable, and understandable move. He traded Justin Jackson, who does absolutely nothing for us, and two second-round draft picks, which most likely in the future will do absolutely nothing for us, for Mike Muscala. Six foot eleven. he was a second-round pick. Uh, I think he's only, what is he like? He was born in 91, so what is that? Nine, yeah, carry the three over. Yeah, he's like 30-some-odd years old perfectly fine by me not you know again it's not going to be anything crazy but I will say in his first 32 minutes he has played for the Boston Celtics he has scored 22 points six boards one assist one block shot 53 percent from the floor and has gone six of 13 from three so that's better than anything Justin Jackson was doing I don't even think Justin Jackson scored 22 points while he was with the Celtics and this guy did it in his first two games very impressive obviously he's better in the Hornets game than he was the Grizzlies game but there are some good things you can see from Mike Muscala no without a shadow of a doubt but he's not a very good defender he's not physical like Blake Griffin has some heavy feet you know like John Morant blew by him a few times in that Grizzlies game yesterday and he is a guy that can give Al Horford some rest moving forward he can play every single night unlike Blake Griffin I mean not a shot against Blake Griffin but let's be honest Blake Griffin cannot play 20 minutes a night this guy can this guy was very good for the Oklahoma City Thunder off the bench he's very good in the pick and roll him and Shea Gilders Alexander were one of the top guys in the league in pick and roll percentage or complete some type of percentage I forget what it was called having a brain fart but now that now the question is, after Brad makes this great move to give Al and Rob some rest, how does he get Jalen and Jason some rest? He obviously needs to go out and get a wing in the buyout market. Danny Green's going to the Cavs. Terrence Rotz is going to the Phoenix Suns to join Kevin Durant, which is absolutely insane. It's actually crazy to think about what has happened to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not going to go into it by any way, shape, or form, but to be honest with you, the Brooklyn Nets still have a pretty good team. I mean, they're not going to be an easy out, especially defensively. I mean, Cam Johnson good player. Mikel Bridges, very good player. Cam Johnson, ever since Kevin Durant left, has gone off. He scores like 40 points a night. Spencer Dinwiddie, still a good, very good player. Nick Claxton, one of the better young guy, young center guys in the league. So the Nets aren't going to be terrible, but I'm not worried about them, you know? But some other quick thoughts about the deadline. I mean, obviously all the moves were insane. All the second round picks were, were crazy, but I'm going to be very interested to see how the 76ers trade works out with Jalen McDaniels getting rid of Matisse Thibault. I think that could be a sneaky, under-the-radar win that could play 
that could play out for the 76ers moving forward. Jalen McDaniels is very talented, very good. He's better offensively than Matisse Thibel was, very good um, defensively as well. But I really want the Celtics to go out and get a guy like Will Barton in the buyout market. I think he's a guy that really didn't get a great opportunity in Washington. He was obviously pretty good for the Denver Nuggets coming off the bench. And then you just need someone that can play a... F- you know, give me 20 minutes a night so Jalen and Jason can just get a rest here and there and we don't lose a lot of places in the standings and whatever the case may be because it's tight and home court's going to be very, very important. And the fact that the Celtics are only a game and a half up on the Bucks with the big game coming up, it could be two and a half games, could be a half game uh, come Wednesday morning. So it's going to be very interesting. So this week, with only 25 games left in the season, I'm saying to myself, what needs to happen with this team? I mean, obviously the first and most important is health and rest. I mean, that's very obvious. It's probably what every team needs, but you can't argue that a team needs it more than the Boston Celtics. I mean, when was the last time you could say that the Boston Celtics were fully healthy with Rob coming back? Malcolm having, um, was that a hamstring issue? Jalen being out. Um, Al Horford being out for an extended period of time in December during that West Coast road trip. The, the list goes on and on. So first, let's start off with Jason Tatum. Uh, the great thing about Jason Tatum is he wants to play every night, and he's always available, and I love that. But now that he's a star player in this league, and he's, we don't want him worn out in May. We want him worn out in June after the finals are over. That's what we want. But he has to accept that role of having a night off here and there because I think that's going to be huge for him his wrist, and his team going forward. And this is part of the growth of being a superstar for Jason Tatum. And hopefully Brad Stevens and Joe Missoula and the rest of the Celtics organization have a good plan for him. But besides that, I mean, again, Jason Tatum could shoot the three-point ball well. I just want him to limit his three-pointers just a little bit. Not a lot, baby girl, just a little bit. Attack the rim more, and let's get those calls going when you attack the rim ready for the playoffs. Because Jason Tatum getting calls in the playoffs, that's what superstars get in the NBA, is going to be very important for this basketball team going forward. And then you have Jalen Brown. Of course, get your face fixed. I mean, hopefully it it heals up as soon as possible, but you want Jalen to work on his free-throw shooting. And I also want him getting other players involved. I think the one thing that Tatum has done a lot better than Jalen this year is trust his teammates more. Um, I think they both do. I just think Jason trusts them more. When Jalen is out there alone with the bench, he has to get everyone going. And hopefully that's something that they can work upon. Like, how can I say this the right way? Jalen and Jason aren't going to be off the same night. There's no way that the Celtics are that stupid to do that. So when Jason is off, Jalen's going to be the number one guy as he should be. I mean, there are times when Jason's on the floor and Jalen's the number one guy. But Jalen has to get the other guys involved like Tatum has. I think one of the big reasons why Sam Hauser has played as well as he has the last, um, you know, let's say 10 days or so is because Jason Tatum is finding him for wide open shots, the type of shots that Sam Hauser likes, which is catching and stepping into a three-pointer. I feel like Sam Hauser can shoot the ball very well, um, you know, when he's standing still. But him running into a shot, catching it, and then shooting it is what Sam Hauser does best. And I feel like Jason Tatum has really helped uh, Sam Hauser get to that point. I don't know if Jalen would do that, and hopefully that can improve going into the playoffs. Then Marcus Smart. Of course, he's been out since January 21st with that awful ankle injury against the Toronto Raptors. And the Celtics have been okay. Not great, but okay offensively without him. But when he comes back, he just has to be the good point guard he has been all season long. Play defense, get his body right, take those open shots, don't force it. Al Horford, rest, please. We need you more than ever in the playoffs. And most likely, and hopefully, in the Eastern Conference Finals against Embiid and Giannis, 
if the Celtics get there. Number 12 did a fine job against Embiid the other night with Al Horford not playing, but obviously Al Horford being there makes it even better. Al played, I think, one of his best games uh, on Sunday against the Grizzlies, hit some big shots, and especially when the Grizzlies, every single time the Grizzlies were trying to come back, Al Horford was like, hold my beer. I got this. Ice in his veins. Big three-point shots. If he can get his three-point shot going down more consistently, that's huge for this team going forward. Then you have um, Rob Williams. Listen, I need Rob to continue to be a monster on the boards. Now, I know he hasn't blocked a lot of crazy shots like he did last year since he has come back from his injury. I mean, you could probably blame Derek White for that, for the amount of blocks that Derek White has every single game. But Rob needs to keep rebounding the ball the way that he has. The last 10 games, he's averaging 12 boards a game. That's huge. A lot of wear and tear on that body. But Rob is a lot like Tatum. Those two guys always want to play. They always want to be available. But a night off for Rob Williams can go a long, long way for this basketball team. And speaking about guys who could probably get some more nights off, Malcolm Brogdon. He didn't play versus the Grizzlies uh, for some soreness in his Achilles. Malcolm needs to do absolutely nothing during the All-Star break. He's been known for his injuries. And Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench for this basketball team late in the playoff series is going to be vital going forward. So I just want to see him step up in big moments like he did versus the 76ers on Wednesday. He was awesome. Hit all of his threes, 19 points. Stepped up big time once Jalen went out with his broken face. But I also want to see him, like Jalen, get more guys involved too. There are times where Malcolm Brogdon will attack, 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 and then kind of miss a cutter or missile where he could throw a lob. And if he can get other guys involved while he's attacking, good luck to defenses because some backdoor cuts, you know, maybe moving from outside the corner, maybe to a little bit closer to the top of the key for a three-pointer, those type of things can go a long way and help Malcolm Brogdon be even a better player than what he already is. And then number 12, listen... I don't think number 12 has been great this year, or at least for the last six weeks or so. I'm strict but fair. I will say his passing skills has improved. I thought he made some great extra passes in the Grizzlies game um, and also in the Hornets game as well. I think he had five assists in the Hornets game, if not more. But if Mike Muscala hits threes all the way around the floor, unlike number 12 just standing in the corner, number 12's minutes could go down. So number 12 needs to get this I'm worth $20 million out of his head. He could see his minutes go down, and he's going to have to be ready and perform because I want to see number 12 the way he played in November versus how he's been playing since Christmas. So if number 12 can play the way that he did in November and Mike Muscala can still get some minutes to help Al, I think everyone's happy. And then Sam Hauser. I mean, thanks for getting out of your shooting slump. I mean, Joe Missoula loves him. He started the game against the Grizzlies, scored 20 points. He played very well against the Hornets, too. And over his last 10 games, 9 points a game, 48% from 3, 3 boards in 18 minutes. I mean, what more could you ask for for a guy off the bench? Now, he still needs to do that during playoff times. He's never really been in that situation. So I don't know if I'm ready for Sam Hauser in the playoffs. But if he plays like this and keeps shooting the ball like this, it's going to be hard not to be mad at Joe Missoula for adding him into the playoff rotation. Um, who else? Yeah, uh, Luke Cornett, Blake Griffin, I mean, just be you. Your minutes are going to go down most likely as the season dies down, but when you're called upon, when Al needs a night off, and, you know, Mike Muscula, Muscula. <laughs> I feel like I say his name every single time differently, but whatever. Um, whenever you're going to be called upon, you got to be ready to go, and I believe those two guys are professionals and can do that. And then, who am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, the two guys who are going to be the stud and dud of the week. So you know what? Hit the music. And now. It is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud. 
of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week for episode 206 of the Banner Banter Podcast. The stud of the week is Derek White. I mean, what did I say at the beginning of the season? The more this guy gets comfortable with this basketball team, the better of a basketball player he will be, and he has. And I also said this will be the best three-point shooting um, percentage that he'll ever have in his career. That sentence that I just said made absolutely zero sense. I, <laughs> What I meant to say was, I also said this will be his best career shooting the three-point ball. I can't speak. It's probably why the podcast is coming out later than usual. And I apologize about that, but thanks for tuning in as always. But, I mean, the other night against the Hornets, he uh, went, what, 8 of 14 from three? And then he took some terrible three-pointers, like air balls versus the Grizzlies, but somehow still shot in the mid-40s, <laughs> for percentage-wise, from three. Just absolutely crazy. And now that this is the third week in a row Derek White has won set of the week, this might be the longest streak in Banner Banter podcast history for someone to win this many stud of the weeks in a row. I mean, very, very impressive. Since Marcus Smart has been out with his ankle injury, DW9 is averaging 19 points, five boards, five assists, and shooting 47% from three. And, (laughs) by the way, only one, actually less than 1.5 turnovers per game. It's actually 1.3 to be exact. I mean, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. Let's go. And then Derek White had that sick block against, um, was it Tobias Harris? Yeah, I think it was Tobias Harris in that 76ers game where he chased him down and just stuffed him. Now, literally... I always say, and I have for the last two seasons, that Jalen Brown is the most important basketball player on this team. But this year, you could argue it's been Derek White. And that's why he gets his third straight stud of the week. And the dud of the week, the only other Celtics player that I haven't talked about yet, Peyton Pritchard. What do I want for these final 25 games of Peyton Pritchard? Um, For him to shut the fuck up. That's what I want. Listen, I love Peyton Pritchard. I love what he brings to the table. I love the energy. I love that he's always ready to go. I love his aggressiveness. I love that he's not intimidated by anything or anyone. I could talk about Peyton Pritchard all day. but I, And I know he went on a podcast recently. I forget the name of the podcast because the only podcast that matters is the Banner Banter podcast. But with in all seriousness, I understand why he wants to play more. He should want to play more. That's a great attribute that he has. And I love that. And I get it. I really do. But you don't go to a reporter the next day after the trade deadline and say you wish and you were hoping to get traded. What do you, what? I mean, I don't blame him for feeling that way, okay? But there's no need to say it. And he's going to be a great backup point guard for any team in the league. He really is. He's he's a good player. And I understand he's a sh- in a shitty situation. He's got Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Malcolm Brogdon in front of him. That sucks. It really does. You know, it's probably why people like Aaron Neesmith didn't work out because he had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in front of him. He wasn't going to get a lot of minutes. It happens. But right now, you are on the best team in the NBA. Shut up. Like, you can keep shooting your threes all you want, and hopefully they all go in because you're very good at them. But you can talk all you want once you leave the Celtics this summer, and hopefully you have a ring on your finger. But besides that... Shut up. Like, imagine complaining and saying, I hope, I wish, I needed to get traded from the team with the best record in the league. Ugh. Anyways, let's talk about the final two games uh, before the All-Star break. The first on Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. against the Milwaukee Bucks. And then Wednesday, second night of a back-to-back at TD Garden 
um, against the Detroit Pistons at 7.30 p.m. Let's talk about the Pistons game real quick. The Pistons game, um, I think, might be a scheduled loss for the Celtics. Uh, I mean, they played them a week ago on the road. They won without Jalen. They won without Marcus. It was a bad Al Horford night. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they sit Jalen, Jason, Malcolm, and Al in this game. I really wouldn't. I'm, I'm telling you, I would be shocked if this isn't a scheduled loss by the Celtics. But if not, just do everything that you did uh, last Monday on the road. Contest their three-point shots, because minus Bogdanovich, they're not going to be making a lot of three-pointers. Continue to shoot the three-point ball well. Control the boards. Limit your turnovers. And it's an easy win. But again, I'd be shocked if Jalen, Jason, Malcolm, and Al play in this game. I really do. But let's talk about this Milwaukee Bucks game real quick, who are the hottest team in the NBA. Like, seriously. Uh, And... It's going to be in Milwaukee. That place is going to be absolutely rocking. They haven't played since Saturday, so they're going to be well-rested. Oh, and by the way, they've won 10 games in a row. In their last 10 games, they have shot 49% from the field, dropping 124 points per game, shooting 41% as a team from three, 25 assists per game, 20, uh, I'm sorry, 53 rebounds per game, second in defensive rating, seventh in offensive rating, and every single thing that I just said over the last 10 games is better than the Boston Celtics. Yep. Not great, Bob. Celtics are like fourth or fifth in defensive rating, and I think they're like 18th in offensive rating in these last 10 games. Now, during this run, the Milwaukee Bucks have dropped 150 points, 141, 135, 124, 123, and 127. That's a fuck ton of points. So they are firing on all cylinders. Brooke Lopez having one of the best years of his career, especially defensively. Drew Holiday can lock anyone up and score whenever he wants. One of the most underappreciated point guards in the league. Pat Connington just gets buckets whenever he wants, especially from three. Grayson Allen is a starter for them and is most likely going to the bench because, oh, by the way, they picked up Jay Crowder, a huge pickup for them at the trade deadline. Wesley Matthews, great defender, can shoot the three ball pretty well, but the leader is... The later that his career has gone on and on, he's not a great three-point shooter, but can still stroke it. Um, and again, a great defender. Oh, yeah, they got Joe Ingles, too. Javon Carter, good backup point guard. And they don't have George Hill anymore, who kind of used to be a Celtics killer. And guess what? I haven't even mentioned Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo yet. Like, this team is just as deep as the Celtics and are playing, like, lights-out basketball. Like, I think the Celtics have the better bench but it's close. It's very close. I, I, I mean, just thinking about Giannis in his last 10 games, 37 points, 13 boards, five assists, while shooting 60% from the field on average in his last 10 games. And listen, we all know Tatum's playing great basketball, averaging, you know, like 30 points a game in the MVP conversation, but he's not on Giannis's level this season, or at least over the last 10 games. He's not, I'm sorry. And if that makes me a bad Celtics fan, tie me up and lock me away. I'm just being realistic. And by the way, Giannis at home, 35-11-5 this season. Like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And Chris Middleton's not even 100% yet, and he's only playing like 20 minutes a game off the bench. Chris Middleton is coming off the bench for this Bucs team. It's it's crazy. So what can the Celtics do to slow down the Bucs? I think the first is they got to get back. I think the Bucks love to run. Their shooters just fill their lanes properly, get wide open shots, go to those corners, go to the top of the key. Whatever the case may be, they find them. And, oh, yeah, thinking about it, they still have Bobby Portis, too. I think he's out with a knee injury, though. Maybe I didn't do that much research. But anyways, the Celtics can score as well as any team in the league. I mean, we've seen that all season long. But this game is all about defense. This game will be a classic 
good defense creates better offense type of game, and the Celtics need to execute defensively. And listen, do I think Jalen and Marcus are playing? Probably not, which sucks. But if the both of them are out there, defense is all that's going to matter. I don't need Marcus Smart to shoot a single shot. Just find everyone in their right places, get 10 assists, three steals, and do everything you can defensively. That's all. What a girl wants, what a girl needs. That's all I need. All right? Because when you think about it, this game is very important. If the Celtics win this game, they win the season series tiebreaker, which could be massive. Because only being one and a half games up on the Bucks, if the Celtics win this season series and they tie at the end of the year, guess who has home court? Celtics. It's massive. So if the Bucks do win this game, the next time that they play each other, March 30th in Milwaukee, which is like the fifth or sixth last game of the season for them. So this is a huge game for both teams. But the Celtics defensively, oh, I don't want to say it's life or death, but I mean, I'll say it's life or death. Yeah, let's do that. But hey, that's it for episode 206 of the Banner Branch podcast. Oh yeah, real quick. Yesterday, I brought my niece to the Celtics game. My six-year-old niece, Rara, time of my life. I cannot thank everyone in the Celtics organization that helped me make that day successful and incredible. And the smile on her face is something I will never forget for as long as I live, even though she kind of disappointed me. Real quick, funny story. So we're walking down the Loge corridor and a Celtics dancer approaches her and says, hey, would you like to be in the little kids dunk contest after the first quarter? And I instantly said, yes. Like, yep. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. She'll, she'll be there. And then obviously my sister was there as well. And she's just like, let her answer. So I did my best sales job as I possibly could. And then she said, no, and I'm kind of pissed off at it, but I got over it. Once she got up there, she wasn't afraid of the balcony. She loved the noise. She loved that. I stood the whole time. It was incredible experience. Absolutely incredible. But yeah, uh, that's it. Um, and fuck you to Rihanna for not playing, um, Please don't stop the music as the first song at the Super Bowl. <sighs> Still pissed about it. But yeah, hopefully the Celtics can get a big win against the Milwaukee Bucks next week. I'll do a very short podcast next week, recap the All-Star game and all the crazy stuff, and then probably take a week off because there's really not going to be anything going on. But yeah, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday for episode 207. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.